Thank you for checking out this episode of Raised on the Radio from the CEP Network. If you like what you hear, do us a favor and hit that subscribe button on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts and give us that five-star rating. Maybe even leave a review to let others know what you think of the show. And while you're at it, give us a like and a share on the socials and tell all your friends about the variety that you get right here on the CEP Network. In this episode, Patrick and I chat about podcasters smoking cigars on camera, Taylor Swift being played on a local alternative radio station, and musicians crossing over genres of music. We also had a very special guest, former NFL fullback turned entrepreneur Chris Gronkowski joined us to give us his backstory, talk about his NFL career, and promote his business, Ice Shaker. Go to iceshaker.com and check out this great product now. If you would like to get a hold of Patrick Blair or myself, you can reach out on the social medias. You can reach us on the Raised on the Radios, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. And if you have any questions, concerns, comments, or topics you would like to get our thoughts on, don't hesitate to reach out. And now, let's get into the episode. Well, hello there. Thank you for checking out this episode of Raised on the Radio, number 51. I am one half of the show. I am Colt Brocato, my good friend Patrick Blair in Zoomland, as usual, is that that's getting old that's really getting old one of these days we're gonna have to get together to do something i know i've said that before but it covid i'm done with covid <laughs> i'm done with this let's <laughs> let's just get together and hang out and talk <laughs> if only covid cared that you're done with it that's very true it does not give a two shits about me <laughs> doesn't give a fuck but uh <laughs> yeah zoom's great maybe maybe saturday that'd be cool but since you mentioned Zoom, it got me. Th- so I'm glad you once again kicked off the show with, hey, he's in Zoom land because that's where I am every show. But <laughs> it had me thinking about something. Can I, can I can I can I tell you something that needs to stop immediately? On I, podcasts. I'll, OK, on, I, I was just hoping okay. I was hoping you weren't going to like start bad mouthing me for something because <laughs> no, that's, no, no. that's why I, that's why well, I will if like... you do. No, no, no. I will if you do what I'm about to bitch about. So okay. look, 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 look. I guess I'm becoming known or those that know me know that I go on these, these rants and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm called a hater often. I get it. That doesn't sound like you. No, no, no. Of course not. So there is something that I'm seeing on podcasts. So obviously seeing there are video versions of the podcast. If I'm just listening, I don't even know what's happening, but I'm seeing it. Okay. Um, and you got to understand too, when I'm talking about podcasts, I'm talking about guys who have millions of followers. They basically have an internet TV show. Yeah. Fair. Uh-huh. You know, and again, I don't want to mention names because I'm really about to just call them all douchebags for the people that are doing this. So, but here's what you should not be doing on a podcast ever. The first one is what I'm seeing a lot of lately. And dude, it is the grossest thing to me. For all of you out there that smoke cigars while you do your podcast, I want to tell you, I want to point something out to you right now. It is the cringiest, douchiest thing you can do on a video podcast. Do Stop you, doing do it. Do you know who you're calling out with this? Like you are calling out some oh, I'm calling huge out a bunch of people. names yeah. for yeah. doing this. Stop fucking doing it. I don't care if you're doing your podcast via Zoom. I don't care if you're in your man cave. I don't care where you're broadcasting from. Don't do it. It looks bad. You're on video. Put the fucking cigar down. Okay? For, for, also, for some reason, it seems worse through zoom than it would if you're like if it's two guys in a room talking like i i I, I understand a little bit more than that but if you're like on zoom and you've got just that small video like in front of you i don't know if it feels cringier that way 
it's cringe to me regardless. <laughs> but see, what you just said, though, it's like, well, if it's two guys in a room having a conversation, that's what these guys want you to believe. Like, hey, we're just going to bro down. We're going to have a conversation. going to have a few beers. We're going to talk. So light up the cigar. No, don't do that. It's gross. <laughs> it's gross. Okay? But also, no tobacco use of any kind. I've seen people dipping. Now that's di- now that's disgusting. I've seen people with the 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 uh, tobacco pouches in their front lip. What are you doing? Don't do that. And are you telling me you can't make it through an hour podcast without doing that? Yeah. If so, you have a don't, problem. <laughs> don't do that. In fact, no smoking of any kind. I've seen people vape. Don't do that. That's don't oh, even get man. me started on vaping in I, general. I have, don't I, do it on video. <laughs> I have actually seen that, and it's pretty, especially because of the noise that vape makes. Yes, it's like a, what are we doing? <laughs> I understand that I'm annoying, and I like slurp my coffee sometimes. But look, you can drink during a podcast, okay? No smoking, no chewing, no sucking. What are you, a toddler? You need to suck on something while you do a podcast. Stop it. I don't even care if it's marijuana, no smoking joints, no smoking marijuana. As you know, I am pro marijuana for all uses, medical, recreational, do it. I do it. Okay. Wouldn't do it on this podcast. You know what though? Would not light up a joint right now. You know what though? If podcasters listen to you right now, then we would never have the memes of Elon Musk smoking weed on Joe Rogan's podcast. That's a major deal. One of the most cringe moments in human history is that silly guy, I was going to say, is that silly guy smoking on his podcast. Look, I know Rogan's podcast, they're known for smoking weed on it. That's his, that's his shtick. That's fine. But don't smoke cigars. So I, but here's the other thing too. And I guess this is when it started bothering me. I think at first when I saw people smoking cigars, I was like, oh, that's a vice. They are at their house, whatever. Do what you do at your your house. You can do what you want. But like staring into the camera and taking a puff off that stogie, you're an asshole. Don't look at me when you suck on that brown dick, okay? Don't do that. I'm sorry, man. It bothers me. I was watching. So I, I have a... That, that, you talk about cringe. That is maybe the most cringiest thing you've said on this show so far. But that's what they're doing. I get, that's how okay. it makes me feel. Okay. That's how gross it makes me feel. I feel like I had to oh, paint man. a picture. Okay. But but um but but look, I I have a newly discovered show that I kind of started listening to yesterday. Now a couple of things have happened when I've I've kind of went through the the live the catalog a little bit and a couple of things have happened and they've said I'm like eh. You might have lost me. One of the things that happened that first happened was one of the guys smoking a cigar. So every time he wasn't speaking, picks up the cigar, takes a big drag off the cigar, blows the smoke right into the camera. And this is a sports show, too. Wow. So like. And look, I you know, we know athletes smoke cigars. Um, whatever. You know, Michael Jordan's the greatest of all time. He, cigars are his thing. Also, he looks cringy when he does it. But. <laughs> You're not the great one when you do that. Is he the great one or is that Wayne Gretzky? Uh, yeah, yeah. What? What? What is Michael Jordan's? Are you, Air Jordan? Are you, are is you, he called? 
<laughs> Are you having an, arg- an argument inside your head on this podcast right now? I'm having an aneurysm well, right now. That's how that's how heated this has been. You are you are okay. sleep, you are sleep deprived. I think <laughs> I think that's what's going on. <laughs> I am well. I am sleep deprived. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, so I have this newly discovered show, and the dude just keep every time he's not speaking, he smoke. I'm like, and he was he wasn't in the room with the other guy. It was via Zoom or whatever they were doing. But just stop doing that. Does this bother you or am I, is this just me? I honestly don't watch a whole lot of podcasts visually. I mean, it's not the best look I can imagine, but I, I don't watch like podcasts on YouTube very often. I just don't have the time to do it. If I listen to it, it's an audio version. So I don't really see it. I guess it. I'm on the toilet more than most people, but that's typically well. where, I'm, where I'm watching these things. <laughs> and I am on the toilet toilet more than most people. So, okay, um, let me ask you this. When you send me something, when you send me a, a YouTube video or something, is there, the majority yeah. of the time, do you, have you watched that whole thing before you've sent it to me? Or do you just like oh, no, no, no. rush no, no, no. through it? Something will piss me off and I'll immediately pause it, okay. click share, copy and send. Okay, yeah, that, yeah. that makes more sense because I, I get these videos all the time and it's not just from you, it's from anybody. And I'm in, it, it may be a half an hour video, an hour video here or there. And I'm like, where do you guys find the time in your day to watch this stuff? Oh, I, no, yeah, I get yeah, up no. and I go straight to work and then I go to the gym <laughs> and then I come home and I have stuff at home to do. And I'm like, where do you find an hour and a half, two hours just to, to watch this stuff? But I also do know that you're on the toilet a lot. So <laughs> that does make some, a little more sense. I also work from home. You do not. That's true. So That's I, true. I believe me, have plenty of downtime. Which I don't, never mind, never mind. I was going to go, never mind. That's, that's a rant I'll keep. I'll save that one for my wife off the podcast. So like, um, (laughs) I just, I don't know if this bothers anyone else. I I don't know who, who, who started this? I, who started the cigar smoking on podcasts? I mean, I don't know who started it, uh, but, but I, I look at it as kind of like, as you said, you know, it's a, we're. All we're doing is sitting down and drinking a couple of beers and hanging out kind of a thing. And they're, they're just, they're trying to show like the ambiance or the, you know, like if it literally was just two guys in a man cave, you know, drinking beers and, and chatting, now they just have microphones in front of them. So they're just doing, they're trying to make it look like what it would look like. Plus they like smoking cigars, but also you're a cigar guy. Do you, you like smoking cigars, right? Every once in no, a while, you don't at all. Them. Why did I think? No. Why did I think you were a cigar guy? No, I'm not. Definitely okay. not. Okay. I've tried, but but you're two not, times in my life. But you're to not become one. <laughs> I can't. But you're not. Com- have, you're no. not coming at this from the angle of cigars are disgusting. Don't do it. You're coming at it just from the angle of <sighs> this visually looks bad. Yeah, I'm not going to tell people what to do, and even though I am, um, don't do it on podcasts. Do what you want, but don't do it on video. It's gross. Okay. Don't stare into the camera into my eyes <laughs> and puff on that stogie i don't want to see it it's weird um no i mean yeah no i'm not telling i mean i do think cigars are gross but i won't you know i won't get too far into that because i do have many people friends of mine that love to do it so but they know it's not for me they've tried i have, mo- I have many people in my life have tried i've gone to cigar clubs uh it it's just man it's just I, not for me. I've never been to a cigar club. I would like to go. I, I'm not. I'm not not a cigar fan. I, I'll smoke one every once in a while, 
but they do not like me. Like the next morning, my throat feels disgusting and I can't get that taste out of my mouth for like three days. Yeah, that's the worst. Yeah. Dude, I went to, so one of my buddies recently got uh, married and we, for his bachelor party, one of the places we went to was a cigar club and we were outside. Okay. I didn't smoke a cigar and touch one. All I did was drink. We were outside. And the next day I had the cigar taste in my mouth and I didn't even smoke. Wow. Yeah. I just, it's, was it, it was, was, not, it, the, then, was it the big ones? Like the, well, I don't fucking know, man. I don't oh. know anything about cigars. Oh. Um, dude, it was a really weird, dude. It was a really, it was a cool place and it was really weird. Uh, we'll call it a, uh, we'll call it a hood cigar club. Okay. But, uh, we're, we're driving to it and we pull up or I'm, I have the address in my phone and you know, GPS has given me directions and I got a friend in the car with me and we pull up and I go, why are we going? I thought we were going to cigar club. Why are we at someone's house? He goes, no, this is it. And I go, is someone getting murdered right now? <laughs> what, what? Or are we setting someone up? Is this, what is this? So like, there's no signs and in the windows or anything like nothing. that. This is, it looks like a nothing. house. It looks like a house. Weird. A big, yeah. Yeah. And you, you walk in, it was, it's kind of like, it was kind of like the, the front door was like your, uh, you, you're not from the city, so you might not know what I'm talking about, but like your grandma's front door, you okay. know, every, every, everyone, my age that grew up in St. Louis, it's likely that their grandma and it, well, didn't, didn't, wasn't born into money. We were working class. So it's likely you had a grandmother that had this door that I'm picturing a big, big door with an oval glass oval sort of window in the front like gotcha. you, you, you know what? Uh-huh. anyway so it had one of those doors and i was like oh this is like grandmama's house and then i walk in you walk in and you go to the left and it's this giant shotgun beautiful like uh exposed brick room where everyone's smoking a giant uh what is it a humidor is that where you keep cigars i think so yeah uh so giant humidor to the right where you go in and you make your choices again i don't i know nothing about this but um and then you keep going and what would be like the kitchen dining room area is now another smoking area and then a beautiful patio like covered patio with a bar wow two bars in the place one outside one it's, it, the place was awesome it was it was a really cool place so i immediately went outside and i think everyone just sort of that's where we ended up i bet Again, i bet i didn't smoke i, I bet but, when you walked in that front door that just punched you right in the face didn't it oh uh, well, it did, and also I was the only white guy there, so <laughs> it was like the the record skipped, and everybody, like, oh, this fucking guy. But um, which that whatever that doesn't bother me. That's that's fine. But yeah, man, it just I, anyway. They're gross. I, I I don't know. They're not just stop doing it on podcast, everyone. <laughs> but also, like, what what's with the 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 nicotine pouch and the front lip now? I've seen a couple of people do that. Why would you, when you have to speak, put something in your mouth that takes away your ability to speak clearly? The okay, so, so th- this is the this is the and this is all it's off the top of my head, but this is the only thing that I can think of. So you may have heard this before, but if you ever heard like on Joe Rogan, his podcast, he talks about every once in a while about. The, the the small high you get by just taking a drag off of cigarette right before you go on stage. Yeah. Have you ever yeah. heard him talk about okay. that? Like he he says it like uh, it puts yeah. you it puts you in a different zone. Like that nicotine rush there right before he goes on stage puts him in like this yeah. different zone. Now is that an excuse for somebody? It could be. 
I'm just, that's the only thing I can think of off the top of my head that would be why. But other than that, it's just, I, they don't care. It's just, they, they go on, they don't care that they're on video and they're just going to be who they are. And normally they have a nicotine pouch in their mouth. Is it gross? Mm. Yes. Should you do it on camera? Absolutely not. I, in my opinion, but I mean, that's the only thing I can think of is they, you know, they, they feel, they, they just get that, that rush, that feeling from the nicotine. Okay, but if you're a person who is a regular nicotine user, mm-hmm. you don't get that rush. Yeah, that's anymore. true. That's true. And also, Joe Rogan talking about that rush also sounds like him talking about how Alpha Brain helps you focus. <laughs> Let's just stop. Let's just calm down. Okay, Joe. Have you taken Alpha Brain before? Yeah. Did you get anything from it? A, a hole in my bank account because it's 60 fucking dollars. It is expensive. But you can go to, you can go to Walgreens or CVS and get the same thing for 1499. Yeah. So yeah, I took this isn't a bashing, se- bashing session of on it. I'm not trying to do that. I'm, I was just no, asking no, if you like, ever no, had it before. I, no, I, I'm, I'm an advocate of the products, but they're overpriced. I gotcha. You can find the same supplements, generic branded supplements at, pharmacies right anyway um but yeah i just finished the bottle and i called it a day on that i got well this did not do what it was uh advertised to do so i'm not going to spend the money anymore and then you know you know how and i'm not talking about on it but i'm talking about just companies in general then they add on well you have to take it for a certain amount of time for it to you know either build up in your system or whatever you know, so, okay, now I'm three bottles in because I had to take it for a long enough for it to actually work. And I'm still not feeling anything. That's weird. Even though I spent $300. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's not bash on it. They're doing, they're doing a lot better than we are. Absolutely. Um, but also we're true nutrition guys. So that's true. Very true. Anyway. Um, yeah, so the nicotine pouches too. I, I, I don't. I don't know. Again, someone DM me or eat, just let me know if this bothers you too. I gotta know. I feel like this is probably one of those things that it's just me. Um, I'm bitching about something again, but God, it it fucking grosses me out. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I want to call out the one person who I saw doing the nicotine pouch so badly because we've talked about him before and we talk about what a knucklehead he is. And it's like, why you have a hard enough time speaking? And is this who I is this who I think it is? Probably, yeah. Really? I sent I sent you a picture of their new podcast. What he's doing that? Why? That's because he thinks because it's a nootropic, and he thinks it helps him think better and think clearly. Nicotine is because someone else sold him on that idea. Yeah. Yeah, oh, dude, what is going on? Why? I don't know, dude. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I, yeah, yeah. I, well, but he's doing just nicotine. Okay. Like, it's not a tobacco pouch, it's just nicotine. Which, again, it's still, it's addictive. You know, you're addicted to the nicotine, but I guess it's safer because it's not the tobacco and there's not all the chemicals, but either way, have you watched this show know. enough to hear him describe this? Like, how did you know this? Know what? Like, how do you know he's just doing nicotine in this pouch? 
Um, he could, well, he said one time the brand and I have friends that do it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And maybe that brand is Tibet is tobacco plus nicotine, but I'm pretty sure it's just nicotine. Again, I don't, I don't do any of these things once upon a time in my life. I did, but I I'm so out of it now. I have no, I don't know anything about this stuff. So there are two people get passes though. And I, 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 I'm glad I remembered this. So for cigars, there's one guy that gets a pass and there are probably more in my head that I can't put I bet, I top bet, of my head. Who do you think I'm talking about? My guess is Bill Burr. No, Damn he it. is one of the grossest ones. Really? Bill, stop. Yeah. He's disgusting. <laughs> stop smoking cigars on camera. Um, no, Ron White, Ron White gets a pass. Because he's normally has a cigar in his hand when he's on camera. That's his thing. Okay. That's his thing. He didn't just start doing it because he was on video on a pot. He that's his thing. He gets a pass. And then with chewing, with tobacco, with dip, I gotta let Cowboy Surround Cerrone do what he wants. <laughs> I just do. I just do. I'm one of his biggest I, fans. I, I respect that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he can kick my head off, so he gets to do what he wants. Hey, speaking Other of than that, speaking of cowboy, have you heard anything about that amateur league that he's trying to put together? No. He's trying. Uh, last I heard, now I haven't heard anything about it recently, but the last I heard, he's trying to put together like an amateur uh, MMA league. I guess is what it's considered out of the ranch, and that, well, that cool. he'll live stream and stuff. Thought that's pretty pretty badass. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. And I mean, he's got the connections that it could probably, you know, turn into something like uh, that a UFC could pull from, you know, l maybe down the road. Because, you Why know, not? you know, Cowboy's going to bring in some of the MMA coaches and stuff. Well, he's already got all those people there. Yeah, I know. But, you know, people actually go out there and train. So, yeah, why not start a league? Yeah. That'd be that'd um, be like a chance of a lifetime, I would think. I don't know how happy Uncle Dana would be about that, though, with the Contender Series and Cowboy being one of his employees. Well, he's an independent contractor, but Cowboy being one of his fighters. Well, okay, so I, I don't want to spread too much rumors about that because literally I'm getting this from he made a post one time on like Instagram. This was a couple of months ago saying if we were to start this out of the ranch and live stream it, who would watch or something like that. So to me, that that thinks, okay, the ball's already rolling. They just He just wants sure. to get people involved. Yeah, I I'm sure it is. But let me let me back up. We need to be the podcast that starts rumors. So start the <laughs> fucking rumor. Who gives a shit? All right. Hey, you mentioned something to me, and it's been a while now. And you know what? I think at the time I was so damn tired and I was trying to do something baby related, or you said that Taylor Swift is gonna be on rock radio now or something. What was that about? No, I said that they are playing her on The Point, 105.7 no, The Point. Yes, they are. What? Wait, wait, hold, hold, hold on. What are they playing? Does she have a new music out that is considered... Apparently she has a new song, and they considered it her dipping her toe in the alternative music world. So now they're playing that song. I think it had... I can't remember who... Somebody's in it. I can't remember who it was. I listened to two seconds of it, and I turned it off and immediately texted you and said... Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, good for her. Good for them. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I had no idea. I'm not a Taylor Swift fan by any means. I mean, um, yeah. 
so she's dipping. I, you know what? That is that the words that were used? Yes. Dipping her toe. Yes. Ooh. I know. Ooh. I know. Here's the thing, and I, I'm my reaction to this. While it seemed like I'm anti her being played on a rock radio station, I'm not. Can't we all just sort of? assume that someone like her could just put out a rock record or an alternative record. Like she's capable of doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, she's, a. I think don't she, have to like it. I but. think, I think her name is big enough that it wouldn't matter really what genre she put, put out music in, I guess. Right. Well, that's not my point. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about like her ability to just write songs and not have genre in the back of her head when writing them. Right. Because apparently she writes all of her stuff, dude. That's why she's so amazing. So like, well, the same thing, like I saw uh, something, someone, one of these magazines on Twitter posted that Miley Cyrus is going to put out a rock record or something. Okay. Now my immediate reaction was, ugh, because I can't stand her. But why, why couldn't she, you know what I mean? Yeah. She works with talented people, talented songwriters who write, for everyone, why couldn't they write her songs like that? You know, I feel like we were like, you're, you're pigeonholed into being your genre. And like, we kind of, the, the general public assumes that oh, Taylor Swift could never do that. Do you think, do you think MGK was that way? And he kind of broke the boundary with switching over to doing a more popular record. No, you don't think so? No, I just think he had the ability to do so. I think he always liked rock music. He always did rock music but he was submerged in, in rap and hip hop and yeah. was seeing success at that. Now he's taken off. He, I mean, he's taken off and run with it, man. Like he's, he's, he just did a, a pop punk musical. Oh, really? I didn't see that. Yeah. I just, I, I didn't see it. I didn't pay attention, but I saw him post about it. They did it in like four days, like shot it and completed it in like four days. Look, man, he, he is, he's embraced the sound he has embraced the the image the lifestyle the the look, everything about it and good for him i don't think he broke any new ground no but also i wasn't well, i wasn't again again like i don't think people should like assume that he's not capable of record writing and recording that type of music you know right just like i'm not going to assume that you know travis barker couldn't put out a hip hop record you know what I mean? Yeah. But we're so used to doing that. We being the general public that listens to radio, we don't like when someone infiltrates what we we love and what we we listen to or what we, you know what I mean? Like so like the alternative taste makers and the rock taste makers are like great. Now we got to deal with this bitch. What do you but I mean like what, what how do how do you feel about that as far as country music goes? I know you're not a country music fan, but I mean as far as like these artists uh, you know, that are alternative or that are rock or hip hop that are trans, you know, moving into country music. Like, well, how does that, how, how do you feel about that? Or do you even care because it's country music? I didn't know that was happening. You never heard of like Florida Georgia line and how, or bands like aren't, that. Aren't they a country duo? They are, but, but I, aren't they one of the ones that like started having more of a, that kind of sound like a hip hop sound or not hip hop, but a, like a poppier sound. 
I don't know. Anyways, regardless, there. Are you asking me the history of Florida Georgia Line? Shut you, up. You, you, Shut I up. have no fucking clue. <laughs> Actually, the farthest that I know about Florida Georgia Line is that they did a song with Nelly. That's mm. literally all I know about Florida Georgia. What's Line. that song? Uh, cruise. Is that right? Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So people have complained. I've heard country artists complain that that's not country, that that's pop. And see um, that that's that's a lot of what's going on in country music now. Is a lot of people complaining about the direction that it's moving because of all these artists that are being considered country now that are really more poppy. But didn't Garth Brooks start that way back in the nineties? I mean, like there were there were country artists. Okay, before Garth Brooks emerged as a pop star, there were country artists that did actual country music, like. Um, What's the guy's name? Um, man, see, this is how much I know about country. Oh, uh, uh, um, um, Clint Black. He did something poppy. No, no, no. He's country, okay. and he existed before Garth Brooks came along. Okay, and he did country. He has a song on a football movie. That's why I know his name. Um, anyway, okay. there was him, and there were there were other guys. Again, I just I know nothing about this. Um, but then Garth Brooks came along and changed the sound, and it was crossover pop. So didn't that start when he what, – what I'm saying is did people vacate that idea once Garth Brooks kind of – he never went away. But once, like, he got older and, like, the sound became sort of – he became a household name and the sound sort of became a staple for what country is? I mean, maybe not. I guess I guess it was just an evolution of country music at that time. I guess what I'm saying is I don't think – Florida Georgia line is breaking any new ground. Well, and that might know, not, that, 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 that might not be the best example. Using them might not be the best example either. There, I just know that there are other artists that a lot of people complain about who are country music fans because other new artists are coming in and they sound really poppy, and it's just not. And maybe it's just people complaining because that's not what they're used to as a country as a country music sound. I don't know. Yeah, I mean the the one person that I know for sure of because I actually. He's more funny to me as a character. I'm not necessarily a fan of his music, but I've heard um, Wheeler Walker complain about this quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but this is also a guy who wrote a song called Eating Pussy and Kicking Ass. Yeah. Or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, so like. Actually, my, 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 by the way, my favorite story about that is actually Cowboy Cerrone, because he said that on Rogan's podcast once that he'll crank that up in the gym when they're getting ready oh, to roll, yeah, yeah. roll or something like that. And I'm like, that is hilarious. Is that how I discovered Wheeler Walker? I can't he, remember. He was, on Again, I, he was on Rogan's show. I know he's been on there, but I, I didn't listen. I don't know when I've heard him complaining about it, but I know I have. Maybe it was on Tom Segura's podcast. But um, Well, for anybody who doesn't know who he is, he is basically a country music artist, I, I guess, kind of, but that hates the direction that country music is going. So he decided to do everything on his own and write his own music and put out his own music. And it's like, it, it, it's very vulgar and very out there. Yeah. I mean, the subject matter is out there, but the songs and the, the sound isn't. It, it's like the different older from any, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like eighties, nineties country sound before Garth Brooks. Yeah, probably. Maybe right before or maybe maybe during the same time. Just I guess it just depends on who the artist is you're talking about. Yeah. I, I just Man, we just spent I way too long on country music. 
yeah, I am not schooled in this. I sound like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Well, it kind of makes me happy that I don't know about country music, but yeah, true. That's a nice mug you got there, by the way. Hey, yeah, yeah. Thanks. You're welcome. A friend of mine gave it to me. Did he? See, raised on the radio mug. Bring it closer to the the mic, or I mean the. There you go. Nice. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. But um, I will say this though: as much as I shit on country music and I say I'm not a fan, I've been to one show, and I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I had a really good time when I went because it was just a big party. Okay, so I, I think you're show. wrong. I think you're lying to me because I know you've been to at least two shows, and the other time you hated it. Country? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I went to Garth Brooks. You did. Damn. Yeah, I hated it. Because <laughs> I, I was there. I was there. I hated every moment of it. <laughs> but that wasn't a country show to me. That was... that was A spectacle? That was Garth Brooks. It's different. It's just different. What? Uh, <laughs> it is. I mean, okay. who fucking played a, uh, the Edward Jones Dome? And there was 85,000 people there. That's true. Like, that's not a normal event. That's true. You know? But I hated every moment of it. <laughs> every single moment. I don't know any of his music. I know Friends in Low Places and uh, the other one with the video with the mentally challenged kids in it. I know that. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Standing outside the fire. Did, yes. See? I'm not, not. Yeah. Yeah. Was it a Special Olympics? I don't remember the theme? video. I, I don't remember the video. I just remember, the, all I remember, I just remember the, 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 the flames. The, cir- the circle of flames, right? Something like that. Am I wrong? I don't know. Um, oh, I yeah, don't, I went to that. Maybe I made that up. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it, it, that was... It, the whole time, I was just like, God, what is it? I just felt like I was at like a... Uh, one of those religious revival things that you see on TV. Like, like a Joel Osteen show or something. Like that's what I felt. Like that's what I felt I was experiencing. You know, some, I, was, you I, know, I just it, wanted to look. To, well, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I just wanted to look to my right and look to my left, and I go, "You can't be buying this guy's bullshit this much. <laughs> Stop smiling so much. What are you doing?" Like that's what I wanted to say to everyone. But whatever. You know, if, if somebody's a good good at editing and they really wanted to pull the clip from this just to make you look bad or make you look down upon yourself. They could make this look like you just said that seeing Garth Brooks is a religious experience. <laughs> but I never said that. <laughs> Close enough. I'll, I'll edit that. I don't give a fuck. I'll put it in. Just, I don't care. <laughs> People can think I said that. Um, oh man. Well, the other one, the other show that I went to though, was a good time. It was, um, God, every time I forget every time, uh, he had a song with Ludacris. A country music artist had a yeah. song with Ludacris. Yeah, he did. Uh, are you sure? Are you, I feel like we've talked about this before. And you, Jason Aldean. And you were, Jason Aldean. Are you sure it was Ludacris? I don't know. I, th- I, I think it, it's not. Because I, really ta- I think we talked about this at one point, and, we decide, and you decided that it wasn't Ludacris, but I don't remember who it was. I decided that, or you decided that? We, as a community, decided that. <laughs> I'm Googling Jason Aldean <laughs> with rapper. I'm telling you, Ludacris. Okay. The song Dirt Road. Yeah. I didn't know. Joe Boy Luda. Okay. I did not know. Anyway, free tickets, got invited, was hesitant for sure, but was like, all right, uh, the people that are going, I I enjoy them. They're fun. Let's go. It was fun. I sat out on the lawn. I just partied. I mean, it was just a big party. Well, if, if if you're on the lawn... At Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. I'm assuming that's where you're talking about. 
Yes. You're not there for the musical experience in general. How, why is that? Because the lawn is the, the place to party. Yeah, and I mean, I know, I know that the ambiance and the music is part of that, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you're not the party is miles away, miles away on the lawn compared to if you got front row seats. I'll be honest, I didn't hear a lick of music the entire time I was there. So you're probably right. I told you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but, but the reason I enjoyed it again, it was a big party, and that's what I want out of a live show. The other, the other time I remember it being sort of the same kind of vibe where it wasn't like, dude, that's always been like my biggest thing. When I go to see like a band I like, there's so many people that aren't having a good time. They're just judging everything the band does. They fuck that up. The singer's voice cracked, the, 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 this and that. What's going on with the sound? Like you just so much of that. I'm just like, can't you just like go get a beer, go smoke some weed or something like, well, relax, you're, you're, time. you're more sensitive to that though, because you're a musician. Yeah. But still, man, like, why did you come? Why did you come here? If you're just going to judge everything you see, right. You know, and, and it's I not, go, I, it's not like the artist is up there doing this on purpose. You know, it's not like they don't want everything to sound perfect while they're up there. Yeah. Just stuff happens. Well, I just spent 10 minutes shitting on country, but I went to that show with an open mind. You got, that just has to happen at more shows. At more rock shows, I feel like it. I feel like unless you're like by the stage where you clearly go to get beat up and and sweat and get water thrown on you and have a good like, I feel like if you're not down there, there's just so much of just people not having a good time. <laughs> I don't know, it's weird. It's weird, but and I did feel that way when I went and saw Kid Cudi. It was just the same thing. Like it was just a giant party, right? I, and this was a dry show was at the University of Illinois, and they didn't oh, wow. serve booze in the arena. Wow. So there were a lot of sober people just partying. Having it, well, obviously, they probably partied before. I know I did. And I didn't, I didn't know that it was going to be a dry show. And I was like, I looked to my, my buddy, and I was like, it's a good thing we got shit-faced and took a cab here <laughs> before the show because... Uh, did it hold you through? Drink. Did it hold you through the show? Mm, I think by the end of it, I was like, God, I need... They need something. This is just, <laughs> but whatever. I'm, I'm a booze bag, and you know. But anyway, um, yeah, it was just a giant party. I'm trying to think of rock shows where I felt that. I think Foo Fighters felt that way, but they're such a historic sort of like who goes to see the Foo Fighters to judge them, you know? Like that. That's so. I think Foo Fighters felt that way. I, I mean, I saw you two. At Bush Stadium, that was just one giant, you know, good time for everyone. But it's you too. Yeah. So I'm like trying to think of like less known bands or like less successful bands that I I don't know. You just always like, well, one of my favorite bands is the band I've had you check out is 36 Crazy Fists. Yeah. I think the last time I saw them was at Pops. And I remember being like too, like, oh, they're playing Pops. Wow. Because the time before that. I saw him at the Firebird and it was awesome. It was one of the best. It was just, it was, it was, it was great because there was not a ton of people, but everyone was a fan. RIP Firebird, by the way. Yeah, true. Uh, But everyone was a fan. And I remember at the pop show showing up and being like, oh, what? Who are these people? I don't remember you being at the Firebird. Like, why are you not having a good time? But but again, they're one of my favorite bands. I go to see them because I know all the, I know all the lyrics. Yes, I know some lyrics. But Pops is also uh, a, a Pops is also a club, though that you know you you're not necessarily just there because of 
the band playing, right? Like, because I mean, I mean it, it wasn't it, three a.m. Well, that's true, I guess. But I mean, like, DJ the, Skidmark wasn't playing, wasn't wasn't doing a set. Like, <laughs> okay, I got, I got, I got what you're saying. Yeah, 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 but well, either way, it was. So I just, I don't know. There, there are these moments that's that I just have vivid memories of. I guess because I'm psychotic like that. <laughs> I don't know. What was the other rock show? Oh, recently, last summer maybe, or like not this past one because it was COVID, but the one before that, I went to see Third Eye Blind. That'd be a good show. And uh, that's what I thought. And they did, it was Third Eye Blind and Jimmy Eat World. I've never seen Third Eye Blind, so I wanted to get them off my list. And I, I, I like Jimmy Eat World enough to enjoy them, right? Um, no one was having a good time. Really? It was weird. It was just weird. I, I, I don't know. Where was that at? That's just what I saw. It was at the, the, the amphitheater. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Did that's not. A, that seems odd because. Greatest. Oh, but, but it, that seems like, I mean, to me, it seems like Third Eye Blind and Jimmy Eat World are two bands that like you, I wouldn't say love or hate, but like if you, if you like them, you really like them most of the time. Yeah. And you would think that well, if you bought a ticket to go there, that these people would be amped. I guess it was worse for Jimmy Eat World than it would, cause it was still light out when they played and you know, Third Eye Blind was different. I mean, it, you, yeah, there were a lot of Third Eye Blind fans there. So you, but I still just, it was, I don't know. I, I just, I'm not bored when I go to shows, even if I don't like, if I'm seeing someone that I'm not necessarily a fan of, because I'm still sort of, even today, still just fascinated by all of it. I'm fascinated to see their process, how they perform, not judging them, just it, I anticipate hearing them and seeing them. So right. like, you know, I don't know. I just I I've never understood going to a show to not enjoy it. It's just just to just be angry and just like I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what the reasoning would be behind that. You paid for a ticket. Why would you not be there to be I've amped actually, up and get enjoyed be enjoyed by it? Well, I've actually heard pretty big bands complain about this is a St. Louis thing too. On like, promoters suck purpose? here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, they've just complained about, you know, promoters suck here, venues suck here, engineer, er everything, just like everything sucks here, the fans suck here. Hmm. So, I won't call those, I won't say the names, but. Hmm. Yeah, well, fuck it. A perfect circle. They, I've heard them complain about St. Louis. Is that, I mean. Um, Mainly Maynard. Really? But. Yeah. So it was just a perfect circle. It wasn't Tool. Yeah, he didn't see. Well, I do. Tool. Tool fans have an army. Yeah, true. No matter where they're at, I guess. Yeah. It. it yeah. It's different. It's just a different thing. Um. That was another show, man. I saw a perfect circle with uh, Mars Volta in Kansas City. And I think what ruined the night for everyone is Mars Volta was opening. And when you, if you were on the floor, what they made you do once you got before they played, this is while they're sound checking or the, the crews doing the sound check, they wanted you to sit down on the floor Indian style and face away from the stage. What? Yes. And there was security on the floor making sure that you did this. 
Because I remember walking in with, with a friend of mine, and they were like, yeah, you got to sit down. And, and I was like, huh? Do they have stage fright or what? I just think they're cunts. I just think. Um, oh, but I man. remember they were like, yeah, you got to sit down. I was like, what? And they're like, this is the band's request. We have, to, we have to honor the band's request. And I was like, I'm not sitting down. And they're like, well, then you got to go wait outside until they start. I was like, well, there's there's beer outside, so see you later, right. bro. Uh, yeah, it was very bizarre. So I felt like that was a bad start to the night for everyone. But then, like, once a perfect circle finally got on the stage, I think everyone was so wore out from the rules that Mars Volta kind of put. It's it just the singer was complaining in between every song about this and that. He picked up a big light fixture and started swinging it by its cord. And if this thing, it, no, let, let me explain this. And security was freaking out about this. I bet. Um, a rock star move, whatever. He's spinning this giant thing. It had to weigh 40, 50 pounds. And so if this thing leaves this cable and hits someone, they're dead. They're dead. It, there's no doubt about it. I mean, if it hits them in the head. Uh, but he's swinging this fucking thing for like two, three minutes throughout the song. And as security are visibly more upset about it, the faster he starts swinging it and the more he does it. I'm like, God, dude, you're an eight year old who didn't get <laughs> a second cupcake at the birthday party. Like what's wrong with you, dude? Like there are times, there are times to be like, I'm punk rock and yeah, I'm, I'm a rock star and you do the rock star moment. But there are other times like you're just being a cunt. It's just, you're just being an asshole. I don't know. So I'm not a fan of that band, which, which is sad because I really, really love, loved still do at the drive-in one of the best records ever is from that band. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. So that wasn't a part. I guess my point of bringing that show up was that was not a party. That, it was just such a weird sort of event. Like I was just like, where are it? It just felt, it just felt odd. But um, I don't know, dude. That's weird. It's just like, kind of like they're, they, they had can makes them feel like they have control of the audience or something. Maybe like they can make them do whatever they want. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, dude, look, dude, we're we're in a band and we're on stage because we're sick in the head. We want that attention. So believe me, the more control you have over people, yeah, yeah, it gets it gets you off. Weird. But that's why you do it. Yeah. Well, you do it because you love the music, but also when you get on stage, you're a performer. Yeah. And the one thing that you have, the the, the one ace in the hole you have is if you can control the crowd, you know? Yeah, they're gonna walk away from that remembering the show, right? You know, um, I've you know, I've been I've been a kid at a show and they've just been mesmerized and have done everything the fucking singers told me to do: stand up, sit down, jump, do jumping jacks, do push ups, do sit ups, punch your neighbor, kiss your neighbor, you know, smoke weed, drink beer. Like I've done it all. You know, that's just the way it is. It's fun. That's why you do it. <laughs> I don't know. That's my point. They should be fun. Don't judge. <laughs> have a good time. All right. Again, we at the top of the show did not mention that we have a guest. He is in the waiting room. Oh, snap. I'm pumped for this one. So I'm going to you. I'm going to admit him and then okay. I'm going to go grab some coffee so you welcome him. Okay. Be nice to him. Okay. Asshole. I know, right? Tell him I'll be back. 
I want to take just a second here before we get into the interview with the one and only Chris Gronkowski to remind you that the CEP Network now has a promo code for one of the best nutrition and supplement companies in the business for you to use. Just go to truenutrition.com, look at all the great products, place your order, and when you go to make your payment, type in CEPN in the promo code box for 5% off of your entire order. It's really that easy. Now, let's get into the interview. All right, world, we are back for episode 51 of Raised on the Radio. As we mentioned, we have a very special guest today, former NFL player, now current entrepreneur, Chris Gronkowski. Sir, how are you? Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You okay with those titles? Do you like ex-NFL player, now entrepreneur? What do you prefer? I always feel weird about introducing people like that. Man, it's all good either way. Okay. <laughs> Let's just get into it. Let's talk about the business. Talk about Ice Shaker. Tell us about it. Obviously, you've had a, a quite a run with this business. So we both follow you on uh, on the social medias and all that good stuff. We've seen plenty about it. But tell tell our audience about it, please. Yeah, man. Well, first off, I got to get Colt switched over, man, because I, I saw him break out something else earlier and take a sip out of it. So um, we got to upgrade <laughs> Shaker. Oh, I, 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 I apologize for that, man. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> it's all good, man. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but but what it is is just um, you know after my NFL career, I was I was living a healthy, active lifestyle here in Texas. You know, super hot out. I was going to work. I was bringing one cup. Coming home, I was grabbing a plastic shaker bottle, heading to the gym. You know, by the time I got there, it was warm, was sweating everywhere, it smelled awful. And at that point, it was like, hey, let's go home and just get a bottle that I can use all day, every day. You know, bring it to work, uh, bring it to the gym as well. Um, you know, chill on the couch, drink out of it. And I figured I'd just go and, and jump on Amazon and, and snag something because at that time, you know, there was a bunch of insulated bottles out there. But when I went and started looking, there was just nothing that you could easily fill, easily clean that would still keep your drink cold and, and have the ability to actually shake and blend some stuff up. So I was kind of shocked by it. And um, at that point, it was, hey, let's go out and do this myself. Let's make the best bottle that I can for myself. And I started on this journey. Um, you know, it, it sounds like a very simple idea. Uh, I kind of just took an insulated cup and I put a shaker top on it and that was the first cup. And, um, it's a little harder than you think. It was about 20 prototypes later. Uh, once you try to seal a metal cup, um, you know, you gotta have the right seal. You gotta make sure it doesn't leak. That's kind of the biggest issue with, with all shaker bottles. And, um, I, I, I went for it, man. So, um, got our first prototype in, uh, put it up in this room that I'm in now, uh, about 10,000 units hugged, just carried them up the stairs, man. They're about 60 pound boxes, each one. And, uh, started, started testing them out and, and realized really quickly that about half of them leaked. So that was the start <laughs> of, of the business. It was, uh, it was a disaster, man. Uh, had to change out every single lid because we couldn't tell which ones were good, which ones were bad. And, um, you know, it ended up being a problem with the pop top and out of the pro the, all the prototypes we had, we never had an issue with the actual pop top, but for whatever, whatever reason, when they did the big run, uh, like half of them because they were made in, in sheets of two, I guess, um, and, and half of them were bad. So, you know, if it wasn't for passion and, and a really strong desire to um, you want to be in the fitness and, and health industry, I probably would have just stopped at that point. But, um, man, I, I thought I had something amazing and um, just kept going and had to grind it out. And within six months, we were able to uh, replace every lid and uh, <laughs> get about $80,000 in sales before I got on to ABC Shark Tank. Nice. So like when you came up with this concept, did you even know who to go to or what to even do to get rolling with this? Um, not really. Uh, my wife had started a business. I've been doing that for five years and we were sourcing our own product. Um, so 
I did know a little bit uh, about how to find a manufacturer and how to get things done, but uh, I definitely didn't even come close to knowing what I should know um, now that I learned as I went on and learned a lot more. Um, you know, I, I realized I had no clue what I was doing. And, um, you know, I, I should have had outside inspection companies come in, third-party testing. Uh, I should have had a lot done before that ever came to market. But, uh, man, I, I was just I was just winging it for the most part. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, you just I kind of just learned as, as I went. How did how did so how did Shark Tank come about? Because that's uh, that's quite a journey to work with people like Mark Cuban and A-Rod. I mean, that's just being in the room with them. I know you're you were a professional athlete, so probably don't get as nervous as us two lugheads but that had to be <laughs> quite the experience yeah man it, it was um it's kind of crazy it was it was all from an email in 2012 when i was with the broncos our, our agent sent out an email to every player uh, that he had and just said hey abc shark tank is looking for any current or former players that might have a cool idea to pitch so i kept this email i started um i never even really looked at email at that time so i didn't know what i was doing but uh i kind of just put that star on it and i came back and it was almost five years later and found it. Wow. And, uh, you know, thought I'd just send an email and get right on the show. Right. And uh, I shot one over and the girl uh, whose email was on there wrote me back right away and was like, hey, sorry, I don't work there anymore. So I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, kind of makes sense. Of right. Five years later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but she was able to connect me with the person who did. And uh, it was actually within like 10 minutes. I got another email back and um, the girl was like, hey, yeah, you know, here's the steps. We'd love to have you make a video and um, kind of pitch us this video so told me what to do it was supposed to be like a couple minutes long and um at that point i knew it was kind of like this one shot you know uh they're looking for entertainment you gotta you gotta you gotta do something to kind of stand out and at the same time you also have to show them that you have a legit product and that it's actually selling so uh that was the goal man i made this video just like ripping off my shirt and like chugging protein shakes i got my brothers in it and uh it, it was ridiculous like terrible editing i didn't know how to edit so i that was like through iMovie and um sent it over and I was like, they're going to either love this or hate it. And, uh, within a couple of days, I, I kept, I kept checking. You, you submitted through YouTube and you make it unlisted. So you could go see if, if anyone watched it. And after a couple of days, I saw like five or 10 views on it. So I was like, Oh man, it's about to go down. So they, <laughs> they were like, we absolutely love that video. So that was cool. But after that, it was just a, it was months of, of paperwork and just a process to still get on the show. So was it their idea for you to bring your brothers actually on the show when you were on the show or was that your idea? Did you kind of pitch that again or did the video do it enough justice? Uh, so they they definitely wanted the bros on the show as well. So that came about like later on. They were like, hey, uh, you know, definitely help bring audience in and it'll definitely make a better show as well. So it would help out everyone. And I knew that as well. So once they came on too, it was, come, it was almost kind of like this guarantee that we we're going to record and that we we're going to air as well because – what I didn't know and, and what you find out as you go through the process is that even if you get there and you get to the hotel and uh, you're there for the day of recording, some people still don't record. So uh, one of the first people I met when I got to the hotel, he was just sitting there and he was uh, nervously just walking back and forth. And I'm like, hey, uh, you know what? Actually, he approached me. He was like, well, hey, man, you know, you pitching today, blah, blah. I was trying to get all this information. I'm like, yeah, I think so. And um, I found out that he had been there the year before and just never got a chance to pitch. So they brought him in and uh, for whatever reason, they just didn't, uh, didn't actually use him. So he was just freaking out. He's the second year in a row that he was back there and, uh, was really hoping that he was going to get on. But then even after you record, there's still a good chance that you don't actually air. So, um, I think it's 70% of the ones that do record air, but there's another 30% that, you know, they record it and, and, um, 
you know, for whatever reason, they just don't like it or they don't think it's good enough and it doesn't make it to TV. So bringing my bros on was almost this guarantee that, um, that I was going to air. Uh, so with that, it gave me the ability to then, you know, stack up on inventory. You see a lot of Shark Tank companies sell out within like the first five minutes and you're like, what were they thinking? Right. But, you know, between the fact that you don't know if you're going to air and then you also don't find out when you're going to air until two weeks before. So for most companies, it's, it's impossible to stack up an inventory with a two week window. And that was the case for me as well. So um, I, I didn't really I wouldn't call it gambling because I almost, you know, I, I had a, almost probably a 95 percent chance of airing, I would think, just because my brothers were on it. So I just the second we recorded and, um, you know, we got some offers, I went and stacked up my inventory immediately. So you you went to one of the biggest party schools in the country at <laughs> University of Arizona. So I have to imagine playing Flip Cup on the show was your idea. Yes, it was 100 percent my idea. Okay. Uh, they wanted us to do like some kind of fitness competition or push ups or something like that. And uh, the more and more I thought of it, I'm like, that's just boring. Uh, you know, no one wants to see if, uh, us do push ups against the Sharks. Like, obviously, we're going to win. You know, at any <laughs> competition. <laughs> It just wasn't going to be entertaining. So they kept trying to push that angle and um, I just kept pushing back. And and I thought Flip Cup would be a really good idea. And, um, you know, they, they were 100 percent against uh, promoting alcohol. You know, uh, they can't do that all. It's ABC. It's a family show. And so I had to really convince them that um, and tell them this nice story that we always used to play with water after games to get rehydrated. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, of course. After telling them the same story after a couple of times. Um, you know, they, they went for it. So uh, I think that's going to be the first and the only time you ever see Flip Cup on ABC. <laughs> so that's probably because uh, Mark Cuban and A-Rod don't want to do it. <laughs> you could you could hey, see Mark, when they, when they got up there, their eyes were pretty bugged. Like, I don't know what to do here. Well, Mark was good, man. So Mark got mad because he was he was the last one to go and um, he was actually really good. So I don't think they showed it, but it, it didn't make it to him. And so he just started at the end. He's like, man, you, you guys were just scared of me. And he flipped it in one. <laughs> uh, he, he, he played, he's played a lot, I think, because uh, he was pretty confident. And he was he was pissed that it didn't make it to him. He seems like a guy you'd want to go get a beer with. Just He just seems like one of those dudes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I mean, it sounds like he that's what he does with his players. I know um, after they won the championship, there's a couple of nice bar tabs out there. Love it. Love it. How much actual time are you filming? Because what when it airs, it's only what eight to ten minutes or something like that. Yeah, man, it, that's that's like it's, if it's a double version, I guess, or like a double um, scene or, or whatever they call it. But um, yeah, usually it could be five minutes, but you're really in the room for, and it could be hours. I mean, sometimes they say it's a couple hours for some people. Uh, we were probably around maybe the hour mark. It's it's hard to tell because it goes by so fast when you're when you're pitching. But I would say I was probably in there for an hour. Um, you know, they show the best parts. They don't show the parts where they just drilled me asking me, you know, everything I did in high school and my first job and, you know, what I did right after college, like they didn't show any of that stuff at all. Um, you know, asking my, my grades, why I went to school, why I transferred, stuff like that. They really dug down deep. And, um, you know, for the most part, people don't really want to see that and it's not as entertaining. Uh, and then they cut it to the first, you know, the best eight minutes, which half of it was playing flip cup. So <laughs> like four minutes of the actual pitch or, or actual uh, negotiation. So what's the point in digging that far deep into your past just to make sure that nothing can come back on them if something is bad in your past or? Yeah. I mean, they, they just want to see your character. Okay. Um, see what you're doing. And, you know, I know they say it a lot on the show, but sometimes they're betting on the jockey, not the horse. And, gotcha. uh, 
you know, that's kind of their philosophy as well. So they're just trying to see my character and, and see what I did in the past. And you can kind of tell, you know, by, by someone's background, you know, what they were doing throughout high school and, and after, um, you know, the pros, it definitely helps. I mean, uh, they love the fact that I, you know, I've had a job since I was 12 doing newspapers, umpire and worked for my dad at the age of 15. When I got out of the NFL, you know, I worked for my wife for, and grew a business with her for five years. So, uh, just having a successful background helped a lot as well. So you mentioned, uh, something interesting about you, you mentioned grades and I heard you mention during another interview that you didn't actually get your, your first D one scholarship based on necessarily your football ability, your athletic ability. It was your grades, right? Yeah. So I guess my first one came from the university of Buffalo. Um, but I didn't take it. I just, at that time they weren't very good. And, um, I wanted to leave town. They didn't even have an indoor and I'm like, there's no way I'm practicing outside in the snow every day. Uh, it's brutal, man. So, um, you know, that, that was really my only D one offer until the last, it was the two weeks left in, in, in summer. And, um, I was going to the university of Penn. I was committed. I got into the Wharton business school, which was something that is extremely hard to do. So it was a huge honor. And, um, yeah, I went on an official visit there and it just did not seem like the place for me, man. Uh, it, it seemed like, a you know, it was definitely not a party school. Um, and it was just, man, it, it just wasn't what I was expecting out of college. So wasn't ex- extremely thrilled to go there and leave with 200 K in debt. So I, I had this last minute offer come in, uh, from the university of Maryland and, and really it came because they lost some running backs, um, that were supposed to come in. They didn't, they didn't pass their SATs or ACTs or whatever it was. So they had to start going to, you know, to prep school or, or JUCO instead. And then the actual team was about to go on academic probation as well. So my brother, Dan was there, he was doing well. Uh, he had really good grades and, for me to come in, they just kind of told me like, Hey, we'll, we'll bring you in. Um, we'll give you a full scholarship cause we have these extras, but you better have a 4.0, uh, when you get here. So yeah, I mean, grades, it was definitely the reason that they did it, um, was really cause my brother, Dan, plus the fact that I just had really good grades. So then why the move from Maryland to Arizona? Also, man, it was, um, let's see my, they were recruiting Rob and it's kind of when it went down, but, um, I went there and yeah, I, I did everything I could. Um, never really felt like I should be there, right? Um, the, the head coach would walk by me in the hall and I'd say hi to him. He'd turn his head the other way. Uh, so it's kind of like that atmosphere where you just never felt like you belonged, right? And so uh, redshirted my, my freshman year, came back out my uh, you know redshirt uh, freshman year, and I was playing special teams, stuff like that. Had the highest strength index on the team. Had good grades. And um, you know, it came to a point where I got hurt in practice uh, and I was the goal line fullback. So you have to have two fullbacks on, on goal line. And I was, the, you know, the second one and uh, we couldn't run goal line that day. And this is the one practice I missed. The one thing, this is, this is the only time it's ever happened. And, um, you know, it was to the point where I couldn't even walk. You know, I, I tried playing through everything and I just couldn't walk. So I, I couldn't, we couldn't run goal line that day. And uh, that spring ball, um, it was like a week later, my brother Rob came in and my brother and, and, my uh, my dad was there as well, and you know uh, they're talking to the head coach, and that coach says says to him that you know we love Dan, but I don't think your brother Chris will ever play for us. For us, so wow. Um, it was just a decision where it's like, all right, man, if that's how you feel about me missing one practice after I've done everything I possibly could to to be the best player I could, then you know, I need to make a decision here. So um, you know, at that point, Rob was like, hell no, I'm not coming to this school. Uh, <laughs> this guy, if he's he's going to disrespect my brother like that. So, uh, you know, Rob was out and, um, you know, I played with him throughout high school and, and I love playing with him cause it just took us to another level when we played together. 
And so we started talking about it. Uh, he had every single scholarship offer pretty much in the nation. Uh, so at that point, it was kind of like, hey, um, you know, let me let me hit you long, man. And, and who else will, will keep me on scholarship if I go with you? So um, ended up making the decision to go to Arizona. Just um, a family friend was really pushing it. And Rob really saw it as a good opportunity with Sonny Dykes going there um, through through the ball 80 times to the tight end previously. And, um, you know, he'd kind of be that that big fish in, in, in a small pond kind of a feel where you come in and just dominate early on and um, really grow a program from from nothing to something great. And we were able to accomplish that in the couple of years that we were there. You seem extremely humble in, in everything. Like, I, I'm assuming there's there was never like a feeling of a shadow or anything like that from any of your other family, right? You guys were always, even with Rob, you know, he didn't go to that college because you know, he was, they were disrespecting you. It just seemed like you guys are, have such a tight bond that, you, you know, you take care of each other no matter what. Yeah, for sure, man. That's how, that's how it's always been, man. It was like, just growing up, it was, it was funny because it kind of just completely 180. So when we grew up, all we did was, man, we battled, we battled, we battled and we, we hated each other, man. Like it, it, every day ended in a brawl. Um, you know, if you were better than your brother at something, you know, you were going to find a way to beat him in it. You never give him the credit that he deserved, right? And then once we started playing together, it just all changed, man. We all just we became a team, and everything and all of our efforts were to you know make our, make each other the best players that we could be. And it all came about kind of high school wise. And then, um, yeah, that's how that's how it's always been since. So we have to we we should have started the show this way because I imagine being from Buffalo. Congratulations on yesterday. I would imagine <laughs> you're pretty happy about that, right? It was mafia, man. Yeah, we grew up huge. I'm, I'm hoping to be uh, seeing you guys next week. That would be <laughs> my, although not hoping too much because that's not what we do, being Cleveland Browns fans. So uh, <laughs> hope hope to be seeing you next week, though. So yeah, congrats anyway, though. Yeah, that would be. I I hope so too, man. That would be uh It'd be fun. Hell of a win today. It would be fun. I was, yeah, people would be going crazy, man. Cleveland will blow up, man. I, I don't know what would be worse, Buffalo or Cleveland, if they won the Super Bowl, but. Both cities, I think, would be destroyed. Oh God, you said it. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta knock on some wood here, man. Oh man. <laughs> but yeah, Bills Mafia, man. We grew up uh, in Buffalo. My dad went to all the Super Bowls, and he he would hang, you know, the the seat cushions on the wall. And it's funny because then you know Rob goes to New England, and uh, my dad's just in like this predicament, and you know has to cheer for family, but. Um, you know, he has stores in Buffalo and he grew up diehard Bills fan. And, you know, he has people just coming in talking trash, how he's a trader and, and, you know, everything you could think of. And it's, it is so funny because the Bills actually had the pick before uh, Robin and they took a D tackle instead of him. And the Patriots ended up taking Rob the next pick. Oh, wow. You know, I didn't, re- I didn't realize until I watched some interviews with you, uh, podcasts and other things like that, that fullbacks aren't really used in a lot of, on a lot of teams as, as much as you would think they are. Yeah, man, it, it's, um, I think when I was in the league, I think there was 28 fullbacks in the league at that time. So, uh, every team I played on, I was the only fullback on the roster. And, uh, it, it's just so easy to replace the position with, with a tight end, um, or, or sometimes they'll even use a, you know, a lineman. So a backup lineman and, um, or even, a, even a linebacker you'll see sometimes as well. So, right. Uh, it, it's a numbers game in the NFL, so if you can save a spot for someone else, that's big. And if you can do it by having a guy who can do both, they're going to do that. The only problem is, is that as a as a tight end, you usually don't have that same mentality. You know, you're not going to go in there and dig a guy out 
uh, you know, you're used to taking one step and you're fitting up and you know, you're putting your hands on somebody. So uh, definitely a different mentality. And uh, you see that you see that, um, you know, sometimes when they try to do it and use a tight end, he just doesn't really get the job done. Right. So I got to know something, too, about Buffalo. How how strong is the legend of Christian Leitner in Buffalo or did it not <laughs> did it not uh, did it not reach you? Man, it didn't reach me. Like I, I never like growing up, it, I, I never heard anything about it. I mean, I've seen like the the ESPN, what the E30s on it. Yeah, so they 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 made it seem like he was a god, the god of Buffalo. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, I mean, I I personally didn't ever hear of him um, or really know until I saw the E30 a couple of years ago. Lied to us again. <laughs> Damn them. It might, it might be like you know the certain area of Buffalo. Yeah, 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 yeah. sure. Um, you know, where I was from, I, I didn't, I didn't know about the story. Hmm. So which one of, um, you know, you played for four, four NFL teams total, correct? In your career? Yeah, four. Yeah, um, I guess San Diego, I wasn't, um, yeah, I was, I was there for camp. I was probably there for about three, four months. Uh, but yeah, three other teams that I, that I started on. So which, which of the four was your favorite city to play in? And then what, what was your favorite city to visit and play in? Yeah, man, it's it's tough to say because when I, when you play, you don't really visit the city, man. You're kind of just uh, you're zoned in, and all, all you're doing is you know you're 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 playing football, and that's it. So uh, the coolest city by far, and you know, definitely unique is is Denver. You know, definitely a cool place to live. Um, everyone's just always out, and you know, you're you're in the mountains one weekend. You know, it's pretty cool, and it's not as cool as people think. I mean, I I got there, I went from Indy to Denver, and I got on the plane and I just put on all this heavy clothes and, um, I got off and it was like 80 degrees and, um, everyone's like, what are you, why are you wearing that? And I just figured it was kind of like snowing all the time in Denver. Right. <laughs> the truth is, man, it's like, it's pretty warm there. Um, until you get up in the mountains, but Denver itself is it's, it's, you know, it only snows, I think like maybe like 14 days a week or a year or something like that. Or like it, you almost never actually get snow in Denver. It's all, up in the mountains, so I was kind of shocked by that when I got there. But just a really cool city, um, you know, to, to be driving down the street and just like looking down these hills, right? All these houses, and you don't you don't see like anything like that anywhere else. So uh, that was a cool place to live. Um, I thought I fit in the best place um, that I fit in team wise was was Indy. It's kind of just this blue collar team. Everyone was kind of like undersized and um, worked really hard. So when I got there, felt like a good fit. Um, Everyone's just driving like pickup trucks and. You know, when I was in Dallas, it's kind of this car show, man. I could get in Dallas, and it was like every day there's a new hundred thousand dollar car in the park. <laughs> you know, so they had they, every guy had like four or five cars, and I'm driving up in this beat up used car, and um, yeah, kind of kind of felt out of place there for sure. But um, every team I played for, the three organizations I played for, man, um, they were they were legit. So I definitely got really lucky with um, the three teams I played with, and San Diego. Um, you know, I, I guess I wasn't there long enough to to really see how the organization was run. But um, that's a great place to live, man. It's yeah. almost too hard to play there because every day you just want to go to the beach. But your your career did end in San Diego, though, correct? Yeah, I was there. Um, I signed there my fourth year, and um, I got hurt in camp. So I took an injury settlement, and um, that, was, that was the last I played. I guess by visit I meant which fan base, which organization did you like to beat? Would you like to go to their house and beat them? <laughs> okay, what team do I like to play against and beat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, man, it was it was probably the best game to win on the road at was probably the Eagles, man, because 
when you roll up there, like all you all you saw was like a billion middle fingers. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, but they have the most polite fans, though, right? They, <laughs> sat there behind a bench and they had like professional hacklers man like these guys were good and <laughs> uh, you know, they purposely I'm, I'm guessing they're there every game but they would sit behind the opposing bench and they would talk so much shit man and uh like it was so good we're like yeah, we, we've heard it before but like you never it never really gets under you where people turn around and start talking back but you know there was players like turning back around like you know, what'd you say to me kind of kind of deal so uh they were good man and, and so i would say going there and, and winning was definitely a good feeling. <laughs> who was um, who are some of your favorite players that you've played with? Because I know I I did see again on another interview you kind of right now you have two of your own jerseys behind you, but you know you kind of put up some of your old teammates' jerseys as well. Who are some of those important guys that kind of you leaned on in your career when you were playing? Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the jerseys on the wall is um, this Phil Costa. He came in as a, a free agent rookie with me in Dallas. And um, he was a roommate of mine at Maryland before I transferred. So uh, both being undrafted, it was kind of like this pack we made that we're both going to make the team. And um, we both did. So that was that was that was big, man. Having someone grind with you and, and be in the same situation with you is, is uh, you know, it's, it's a blessing for sure uh, to lean on them through through a tough camp, especially as a rookie. So that was huge having them there. Um, you know, guys that I, I like playing with, um, I thought D Ware was he was a man, you know, going into Dallas and um, being a nobody and, and having him actually talk to you and reach out to you and, and let you work out with him even in the offseason was pretty cool to see. Um, other guys that, that stick out, man, Pat McAfee and, and Indy was uh, was fun to play with. Uh, being on special teams, I mean, I was mostly playing special teams and um, you know, I, was, I, was, I was with him a lot. So he definitely kept it enter- entertaining <laughs> at all times, man. I can he, imagine. He was fun to play with. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, guys like Peyton were, were a blessing to play with, you know, to learn from the from a champion and to just see the leadership um, was was unbelievable. So that was definitely a blessing to, to play with him for a year and be in an organization with him in Indy as well for another year. But, uh, man, there's a, there's a lot of guys. Uh, and a lot of guys come in and out. And my dogs love barking too. So I'm, I'm sure you- <laughs> I didn't know what that was at first. I was like, holy cow. <laughs> yeah, awesome. we have dogs. That's fine. <laughs> Yep. Three dogs, three kids, man. You can't get through a, a podcast without hearing a little bit. All right. Well, it's funny. You're, you're, one of your kids was crying a couple of minutes ago, and that's why I, I bolted out of here real quick. I thought it was mine, and I went up there, and he was still sleeping. I was like, okay, he did mention <laughs> that he has kids in the room, so or around him. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, he was. Yep. So and are you uh, – this is, this is a conversation we've had before on the podcast about, uh, you know – I'm a, I'm a new dad, have a son, and, you know, I grew up playing every sport, essentially, and especially in St. Louis, Missouri. There's not – it's not like Texas where football rules or any any other city. Like Buffalo, that's a hockey city, right? Yeah, for sure. So, like, here, you kind of just grow up playing everything. There's not one thing that rules over other sports. So, with my son, I want him – if he's interested, obviously, I want him to kind of play everything, and football is one thing that I want him to play, whereas, you know, people talk about now about – you know, kids don't play football as much because of all the brain trauma conversations and all that good stuff. Are, are your kids going to play football? Yeah. So, um, man, with with um, my dad and the way we were raised, we actually didn't play football till high school. Uh, so we played every sport. We started with hockey, uh, baseball, play basketball, um, really every sport. I, I think besides soccer, it's the only one I, I don't think we played. But, um, yeah, I mean, with football in 
why my dad didn't start us so early was he just thought we were growing too much. We didn't want to you know, have an injury while you know, our growth plates were still forming at a young age that would affect us the rest of our life. And he just didn't think the coaching was there either. So, um, you know, he'd watch just bigger kids just dominate and really hurt younger kids or, or smaller kids. And he just didn't want to put us in that situation. We probably would have had to lose weight as well to play like pop order and stuff because we were, we were big kids. But, um, I would, I would, yeah. I mean, if my kids wanted to play, I would think I would follow, um, you know, the same path that my dad had for us. Um, you know, my dad didn't force us to play. It was all our decision. My, my oldest brother never even played in football ever. Um, you know, it was, it was my second oldest brother who, who started it for us. And I, we kind of just followed his footsteps, but I think you learn so much more from football than, you know, just playing a game. I mean, it's leadership, it's hard work. Um, it's, it's teamwork. It's, you know, multitasking throughout college, all that stuff. And, um, you know, you, you then apply that to life. I mean, life's the same exact thing. It's all about building a team, working as a team and winning championships afterwards as well. So, uh, I would never take it away from my kids. I mean, I am who I am because of, of the sport that I played and what I learned from it. So, uh, if they wanted to play, I would definitely let them play. And it would probably be a thing where they wanted to play until, until high school though. Right. Well, it seems like you got good ethics instilled in you from your, your dad anyways. Cause I, I heard on another podcast, you had said that, you know, we were given nothing like my, you know, your, your, you said your dad didn't play football or anything and basically told you, you know, if you want something, you're going to have to get it on your own. You're gonna have to go get it. Yeah. Yeah, man. He was, um, I, I don't know if he just did it cause he didn't have money uh, at first, but, um, you know, that's how his, he was raised. You know, if he wanted to go to hockey, you know, he had to walk there. He had to carry his bag, he had to buy his own own equipment. And um, that was kind of the same values that he instilled in us. You know, if, if you want to play, um, you know, you're going to, you're going to, first off, we're not allowed to quit, but you're going to put the work in and you're going to do it right. Um, and so with everything that we had, it was the same way. You know, if, if we wanted a car, that was cool, you know, go get a job and, and find a way to buy it. Right. But nothing was handed to us, you know, had had to had to work for it and, and we had to save our money if we wanted it so even if we wanted to go to college it was a decision where that's great um i'll help you get there but you're paying for it and i might even front you the money but you're paying me back every penny of it so um that's just that's his belief and and i i love it because you watch people hand stuff to their kids they really never learn the value of hard work and um you know they end up being failures in life and they were just never taught those lessons and it's not necessarily their fault, man. They, they can, they know if they sit there and complain and whine, their parents are going to give them whatever they want. So, right. Uh, as a dad with three kids, man, it's hard though. It is really hard, especially when you have the means to give them whatever they want. It's hard to say no because they're your kids, man. You want them to have the best. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny though. I, I look back at our pictures and it's like, you know, you see our older brother wear one outfit and then it's like five years later and I'm wearing it. And then, <laughs> Later, my younger brother's wearing it, and uh, you know, my mom sewed our, you know, she sewed our sweatpants back together. She sewed our socks. I mean, th- there was there was nothing that didn't get passed down, and it was so funny because the youngest brother, who's you know ten years younger than the oldest, would be rocking the gear that was so out of style and just so <laughs> like the hockey equipment man was just so funny because you know, everyone by the time he was you know at the age to play hockey they had like the cool black helmets they're all new styles you know no one wore the blue the, like the blue pants or the blue helmet but my youngest brother did and he was the only one on the ice wearing you know the blue outdated like big uh cooper helmet and it was just it was that's how it was man it just didn't care and um you know if, if people said anything it, it was great because we we're great athletes and you know we just show them on the, on the ice or on the field uh that it didn't matter what what equipment you had nice well, Chris, 
once again, thank you for coming on on the show. Can you one more time before we get out of here? Can you go ahead and plug the business? We definitely want to wanted to reach as many people through the show as we can. So go ahead one more time. And hey, you mentioned your wife's business. We didn't even talk about it. Please plug that as well if you want. For sure, man. Yeah, it's um it's iShaker.com. So you can check us out everywhere on social as well. But um products in GNC, Vitamin Shop, Lifetime Fitness. Um, we're in grocery stores as well, some of them. But check out the site. There's a map on there on the front page. It'll tell you where we're at. Um, but online's definitely the best spot. You can also personalize bottles with names, logos, stuff like that as well. So pretty cool option. Um, my, wife's, my wife's business is called Everything Decorated. So it's everythingdecorated.com. Uh, she's one of the biggest Etsy shops as well. So if you shop on Etsy, um, you probably already bought something from her and don't even <laughs> sure know. Sure, my wife has already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, there's a couple of shops on there, but her main one is Everything Decorated. And uh, man, yeah, check me out on social. I'm everywhere. Um, and TikTok's been big lately, um, Instagram. Twitter as well. And then, um, man, we have a, we have a YouTube channel. I think it'll get kind of crazy a little bit, um, later in the year after the season ends, but it's called the Gronks. It's all five brothers. And, um, we launched it last year and it's just a, a cool way for us to all get together and, um, throw some events and have some fun. I can't, I can't nice. imagine how crazy that's going to get. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Rob's been in seasons, so it, it's been a little hard and we kind of started it to allow us all to get back together. Cause once he, he retired for a year, um, you know, that was kind of our thing was going to his games and seeing each other as a family. So we started this channel to kind of bring that back and nice. just bring back a, that we could record and have fun with and everyone could get back and see each other. Awesome. Awesome. Well, dude, good luck with everything. We hope everything goes well and please let's stay in touch. We'd love to have you back on to see how everything has progressed for you. And we'd love to talk more about the Gronks. Obviously that that's probably going to be a good time. So um, Chris, thanks again, everyone. Please go check out Chris Gronkowski and Ice Shaker and everything there. You can find him on all the socials. You can find him everywhere. He's easy to find. He's not, <laughs> he's not hidden by any means. Not hard to miss. So Chris, thanks again, man. We, we appreciate it. Absolutely, man. And uh, man, go Browns, man. We'll see what happens. Thank you so much. We need it. We appreciate that. <laughs> good luck today. Thank you. Have a good one, man. Thanks, Thank man. You.